And I can't hear anymore. Uh. I'm not that young. My hearing is shot. Do you want to change your own slides? Sure, unless you want to. I'm used to a more formal setup. There we go. <laughs> By formal, do you mean that it works? That's part of it. <laughs> Just hold the microphone. Why don't it's we working just? Now. It was just unscrewed. Okay. <laughs> it had a screw loose. <laughs> That's appropriate. Is that good? Yeah. No. <laughs> We're just gonna do this. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> it is very, very nice to be here this morning. Um, I have to say it's felt very good to be back with you all the past couple weeks. Uh, we meant to be here more often while we were off between churches, but we've had some medical stuff and some family stuff come up. Um, I see everybody nodding their heads like, yeah, it's January. That stuff comes up in January all the time. Um, but it's been good to be back even briefly to be on the retreat with you all last weekend and at church last week. Um, and I can't imagine a better time um, or a better place for us to be at a time that's been kind of weird for our family lately um, on a few fronts and at a time when things have felt so rocky and uncertain in our country as a whole. Um, it's just nice to be in a safe place for a couple of weeks because um, it's really hard to be a preacher these days um, with everything that's been going on. I know that November 9th, there were texts and emails and Facebook messages just flying around between me and all of my preacher friends and mentors, and all with the same lament. How do we even begin to address this with our congregations? Uh, one of my dearest mentors and spiritual mothers who retired a while back said she was even glad she didn't have to preach that week because she didn't even want to think about what that was going to look like. Some of my friends and colleagues lead very diverse or socially progressive congregations. Some lead very, very conservative churches deep in what some people refer to as Trump country. Some people um, that I'm colleagues with lead congregations with a mix of congregants, like the church that I was leading until just recently, with people on both ends of the political spectrum and everything in between. And many of us were wrestling with how to honor the genuine lament of those who were shocked and scared and some people even appalled by the results of the election without being judgmental of those who were pleased with it. It's hard to do when you yourself are worried about the well-being of your children and your family who are racial minorities or religious minorities or have disabilities or health problems or fall into the LGBT community. The list goes on and on. All of the ugly disagreements and biases and stereotypes and racism and sexism and Islamophobia and homophobia and you name it have come out of the woodwork lately. And in a way, maybe that's a good thing. It's not a good thing that those things exist, but it's good that they're out in the open now. They aren't hiding in the shadows anymore. It's like they went undercover a few decades ago and just kind of hid in the shadows, making these dangerous cracks in our culture. But we couldn't quite get our hands on them or find them to chase them out for good. 
Today, they are right back out there in the light again where we can see them and call them out for being what they are. We have something concrete to stand up against and say, that, that is the sin that we are talking about. That is against what God calls us to be as God's children. They're not new evils for the church to have to combat. They fall into the broad category of disunity, or as I prefer to call it, being mean to people who look or think differently than you for no good reason at all. Disunity is nothing new, even within the walls of the church, unfortunately. And as we look into the scripture today, we can see that putting people in boxes and setting up our little safe zones of people who look and feel just like us and believe like us is something that the church has been battling against since the very beginning of the church. Being divided over differences in race, gender, age, social class, or whatever else we can come up with has been around since the beginning of time. And it goes against the very core of what it means to be the church. Now, I know here maybe I'm preaching to the choir a little bit, um, but just so you know, I tend to preach from the lectionary, which means that uh, decades ago, the scriptures for this morning were picked out. So this is the one that God dropped on my lap. So maybe we just need a little cheerleading session from the good apostle Paul this morning to encourage us in the work that we're doing. When Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, the church was a hot mess. It was um, an arguing, divided mess. And in this particular case that we're going to look at this morning, they were bragging about which leader certain people followed within the church. It's sort of like when today you hear Protestants talking down on Catholics or a Presbyterian avoiding a Pentecostal. Um, so Paul had this to say to them in Paul did not say click a few times forward, but thank you, Celine. Um, in 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 18, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you know that Paul means business. He says, I appeal to you, I'm begging you, listen to me, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some come from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. I love when Paul goes into these like parenthetical comments that you know centuries later we're reading, going, really? For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. So Paul says to the Corinthian church, guys, seriously? You're taking all the power out of the message when you just fight and bicker like this with one another. We are all people. He's so upset with them for worrying about who baptized how many and which people are following which leaders. But he says he's glad he didn't baptize very many of them. 
He doesn't even want to be associated with this sort of click-making and disunity. Paul wants to be associated with one thing and one thing only, the good news of Jesus Christ. The cross and what it means for us is powerful. But Paul says that we deny it its rightful power in our culture when we allow ourselves to be divided in the way the church in Corinth was, rather than being united in the power of Jesus. The church is supposed to be presenting a common front, to share a common outlook and value system. That doesn't mean that we're always going to agree on every detail or that we'll all react in exactly the same way in any situation. But it does mean that there's one important thing that we must always circle back to, no matter what. Is the message of freedom in Jesus Christ being proclaimed? Paul scolds the church that it's not their job to go around deciding who is more worthy because they're following the right person in the right way, or perhaps voting along a particular party line. We aren't followers of a certain group or clique or political party. We are followers of Christ. All of our wisdom and action has to be based on Jesus Christ, or we're deflating the power of our message. When it comes down to it, the thing that matters is the cross of Christ. Even if the divided Corinthian church can come together, if they will only remember that this is their foundation. They are not founded by Cephas or by Paul or by Apollos. They are founded on the knowledge that they are joined to God through Jesus Christ and are therefore joined to one another in Jesus Christ. They are reconciled. They are made right with God because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. When it comes down to it, the thing that matters is the cross of Christ. Even the divided American church can come together if we will only remember that this is our foundation We aren't founded by any political leader or TV evangelist or news organization. We are founded on the knowledge that we are joined to God and to one another through Jesus Christ. We are reconciled to God because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Church folk don't put as much emphasis on the importance of being part of one denomination over another as we used to. 50, 60 years ago, that was a big deal. Were you Presbyterian or Methodist or Baptist? And I think that's okay that we don't do that quite as much anymore. It's important to know the traditions and the history of the church or denomination you're part of to fully understand why we worship and pray the way that we do. I wrote darn near a book on the importance of worship traditions in the Presbyterian Church, so I do believe that they're important. But it's not the end-all, be-all. And it seems that through the years, denominations are getting better about working together. We seem to have found other lines for defining what it means to be a Christian, and that's important in today's cultural climate for exactly the reasons that Paul is talking about here. If you watch the TV news or read articles online or in the paper or listen to talk radio, and most of us have been doing at least some of those things over the past year, some of us pretty intently, you would get the impression that being a Christian is about believing a particular way about a certain political or social issue. Go ask a friend who doesn't go to church or who hasn't gone to church for a while what being a Christian is like, and I promise you'll get some interesting and totally off-the-mark answers. You might even get some pretty weird stuff, depending on who you ask. 
Some people don't see how you could be a member of that other, whichever other is for them, political party, and still be a professing Christian. All the good Christians vote for candidate such and such because such and such voted yes for X and no for Z. And when you watch TV, read the news, listen to talk radio, it's hard to decide which ways good Christians are supposed to vote or talk or be. But sisters and brothers, our identity is in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Our foundation is in the cross and nothing else. We are called into fellowship on that basis. We are not called into zealous culture wars. When Paul talks about unity and being of the same mind, he's talking about repairing and reuniting. It's about remembering that we have one foundation, and that foundation is not the denominational symbol on the the sign out front. That foundation is not the way we vote or the social causes we take up. That foundation is not the speakers or the authors or the preachers who we follow. That foundation is not our skills at bringing new people in the door. That foundation is the cross of Jesus Christ that brings us together in the calling to a united proclamation that he is Lord. When that is the foundation of all we say and do, the other stuff falls in place as incidentals to the gospel of freedom and reconciliation of Jesus Christ. I am absolutely not saying not to speak up against injustice when we see it. In fact, when we base our unity and identity in the cross of Jesus Christ, that winds up being pretty high on our agenda. But our passion and our outcry must be based on the gospel of love and freedom and nothing else. What Jesus did in his time here in history on our physical earth was to proclaim freedom to those who were living in darkness. He spoke for those with no voice. He brought healing to those who were in physical pain. He reached out to people society left on the side of the road, literally and figuratively, and welcomed them into his circle. And then he asked his closest followers to join him in doing the very same thing. That's a humbling thing to do, brothers and sisters. And what Jesus called the disciples to do was to proclaim freedom. It's not the freedom to argue people into the ground. It's not the freedom from rules or decency or justice. It's the freedom of the gospel, of the love of Christ, of the fact that we are all valuable, beloved children of God. It's not the freedom, or it is the freedom, rather, to turn away from the sins of injustice, of fear, of intolerance, of petty squabbling and putting people in boxes based on their Facebook posts and opinions, and to turn toward loving one another. Gloria and I saw this in action yesterday when we went to the Women's March on Pittsburgh in town. And it was not just women marching here in Pittsburgh, for the record. In fact, three of the people in the group we went with were dogs. (laughs) Gloria loved that. Um, There were men and boys that were there, too, standing up for um, the women in their lives who they love and want to protect. There were people of all different colors standing up for their brothers and sisters of all different colors. There were Christians, Jews, Muslims, everything in between and on either other end. There were people marching for women's rights, 
for fair pay for minimum wage workers, for refugees' rights, for the Black Lives Matter movement, for LGBTQ and all the other letters' rights. You name the human rights issue, and it was being marched for there yesterday. And not just here in Pittsburgh, but all around the world. The pictures and the videos that have shown up of the people coming together to share a voice in the world are astounding. I very much knew that I did not agree on every issue 100% with everybody there. There were 25,000 people there, so I am sure it's impossible that I agreed 100% with every other person there. But here's what I did know. The one thing everyone there had in common was we had a voice. And we were using it to say, I have a voice. We were marching in unity for all of the people we love. Everyone was willing to put aside differences of opinion regarding which issues are more important or which ones deserve more attention or which ones are more pressing and just say, these are important things that we have to talk about because we love the people around us. And then we got to Market Square and we heard some people speak, including the incredible Reverend Denise Welch, who let me tell you can preach a word to a sister. Has she ever preached here? You got to get her in here. <laughs> we sang some songs, including at least one we already sang here this morning. And just for the record, I made recommendations for that before yesterday. So that was totally the Holy Spirit. And friends, that was darn close to be in church there yesterday. Now, I'm too straight-laced of a Presbyterian to say it was actually church because we didn't do confession and we didn't read the scripture or any of that stuff, but God was there in that crowd yesterday. I can only imagine that God was proud of all the colorful, wildly different, beautiful, united children that were crying out together with one voice saying everybody matters and everybody deserves a voice. That's what Paul was talking about to the Corinthian church. Because we are all children of God, brothers and sisters. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and if you don't know their name, ask them. Good time to get to know somebody. I know there's some new folks in here. And I want you to say their name and say to them, Pete, you are a child of God. But use their name. Don't everybody call everybody else Pete. I want you to turn to another person and I want you to tell them that they are beloved. Dear ones, what a beautiful picture. What a beautiful family that this is. We are all brothers and sisters here in this place. This is what Paul was talking about, this place right here. And so I want you to turn to another person, not the same two, and say, I love you, brother, or I love you, sister. <laughs> or point across an aisle, whatever works. Dear friends, that is how the gospel is most powerfully proclaimed. 
I promise you that those people you just spoke to do not agree with you on everything. And that's good. That's okay. United in thought and purpose does not mean we think exactly the same way about everything. And there is power in walking beside people we don't look like, people we don't talk like, act like, agree, like, agree with on every little thing, and saying we are here together because of Jesus and we love one another. That was what was so powerful about the message of yesterday. It was a message of love, not a message of division or hate like we have seen so many of over the past year. I'm going to ask the music team to come up. Or Are all of you doing the last song? Awesome. Okay. Um, and as they're coming up here and getting ready, I want everyone to make a giant, like, circle or amoeba or whatever it winds up being based on the shape of the, thank you. Um, I hope I didn't, like, break that with my bad techno juju. Um, just get up out of your seats if you can. Make a big circle or a couple of circles and join hands with one another. We're going to sing an oldie but a goodie, um, and maybe that's me just showing my age, but um, we're going to sing They Will Know We Are Christians by Our Love, because this, friends, needs to be our battle cry at this time more than anything else.
close in a word of prayer, and then I will offer a blessing on you all, dear ones. Almighty God, we thank you that in you, through Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we are able to stand together this morning and to say that we are one in your love. We ask that you would help us all to carry that out with us as we part ways this morning. We ask that you would help us to be witnesses to this freedom to be united at a time when that message is perhaps more powerfully needed than we have seen in a very long time. God, we ask that we might be messengers of your gospel to those around us by our love for one another and by our unity together. Friends, there's a blessing that I like to share every Sunday that you may not have heard before. If you have, you're welcome to join me in singing it. May the peace of our Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you Thank you.